have to put my uh, drink on there. Which my drink is uh, Cascade Zero Calories. Wow, that's a drag. <laughs> and um, it's actually Mountain Dew in there. <laughs> okay. Well, you guys like coffee, right? Some people do. All right. Well, I haven't just been around for um, generations or, or, or um, decades, but centuries. <laughs> no, I just love this church. It's my favorite church in Seattle. <clears throat> Absolutely love it. And um, I think Justin's going to be speaking pretty soon. He, he and Nick and, and Riley and some of the guys started this church, and, and just, it just went crazy. It just got, you know, a perfect spot right here to be a light, to be a light in this crazy city. But we like it. And so... Uh, it's really great. Today I want to speak about the most amazing mystery ever. The most amazing mystery ever. And so let's read about it. Let's turn to Colossians. I'm going to have to pull this a little closer. Because I just had cataract surgery. And now I can see perfectly, but only in one eye because <laughs> they did a one eye first and that's why I can do this because there's no lens because I can see perfect now this one has problems Have you ever heard of floaters when, when you get older you know every part of your body withers because yeah thank, thanks to Adam and Eve you know they wanted to eat of the tree of knowledge of evil. That's, you don't really want to bite into that apple. It's, it's, it's a bummer. And uh, the whole sin thing, just things die. And so there are floaters, they float around, and you have to get rid of them, and you need a new lens, which is amazing that the Lord gave skills to put new things in there, you know, it's, it is amazing, why am I talking about this, anyway, all right, Colossians, I was just going to lift up my Bible so I can read, all right, and it, these are huge print too, you know, and I still have to, what, okay, here we go, in uh, Colossians 1 through chapter 2 verse 5, Paul writes, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery. Notice how many times mystery here. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. Isn't that good? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so it says, him we preach, wanting every man and teaching every man or every person in all all wisdom, and we may present every man perfect in Christ to the end that I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. He He had another church that he tried to, you know, love on and teach and minister to in Laodicea, just like John did. It's like some of the seven churches of Revelation, you know. All right, so Laodicea, for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Amen? Those are, there's a couple of good verses there. Amazing verses. Now, the most amazing mystery, the word mystery, mysterion, it's, it's a secret, and it's something that, that hasn't been revealed. And there were false teachers coming around Colossians and, and Laodicea and many of the others, and they were bringing false ideas. And so those had to be discovered and 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 taken out because there's nothing that can stumble you worse than false ideas and stumbling blocks to wanting to trust Jesus. And so he lies a lot, the devil. He's, um, he's the father of lies. And there's a lot of lies going around. And they all just get prettied up for the next generation to learn the lies. So they'll think of a new way to say it, but it's all the same lie. And that is that Christ isn't the one, the only one, the Savior, the Redeemer, the only God-man who alone can save us. But Paul is saying, that's my job. I'm I'm to tell people. Now, when I was a kid, I used to like to read the Hardy Boys mystery books. Did anyone ever read those? Yeah, do you know what number 18 is? It's the case of the his let's see of the hidden claw. <laughs> it's number eighteen on the list. So we would read the Hardy Boys books and and Mr. Hardy was a policeman. He was a detective, and so his sons, they liked to follow suit and they, you know, were sleuths, they call them. Sleuths. They're sleuthing around you know, to find truth and find who did what, you know, that sort of thing. It's a mystery. 
And it's fun reading. But my mom would come in because I'd be reading in my bed. And she said, turn off the lights. You need to get some sleep. Well, that was perfect. We would turn off all the room lights. And then I'd get under the covers where I had my flashlight. Because I'm a sinner who disobeys my mom. And I turn on the flashlight, and when you're under covers, <laughs> it's even more scary. The mystery becomes even more weird. And when you read something, you go, ah, you know, and my mom would come in, are you reading the Hardy Boys again? You know? But that was what we would read. A lot of the gals would read Nancy Drew. Sometimes I would read Nancy Drew. Others would read, read Hardy. Anyway, it was interesting back then, and it was a lot of fun. But God's mystery is not something for us to solve. It's for us to learn something about the only one who can solve your problems and who can take care of your needs, and that's Jesus. He was the secret, the one who brought to light who God really is. Not only Jesus, the Son himself, but the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The triune God was revealed. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, it talks about how God created all these things, and the plural word for God is used. We're like, gods? But it's not gods. It's the triune one God and three distinct persons. And it's such a wonderful truth. But Jesus, in particular, came to show what God is like. And what is his body now that he's ascended back to the Father? Because Jesus is both God and man. And so when he was here on earth, he was in that one body which God created for him. We'll talk more about in a minute. But his body also is divine. And it means we get to be part of his body. In Ephesians, it talks about us being like an arm or an eye or a, or a leg or a toenail or, you know, something like that. He has his body, which is all on earth right now. Now, he has his human body that's in heaven. But he's also God and completely eternal and completely fills the universe. So the whole mystery of the Godhead is brought out by Jesus. And so in this word, mystery, there would be false teachers, and they would claim to know, you know, the truth about God. They had this special knowledge, and they were the elite, and they would come in and they would say, this is the mystery, but they wouldn't tell it because you have to want to join their group. You know, the only group you really want to join are those who trust and love and hope in Jesus. That's called his body. That's part of the mystery. Paul's going to say later that part of the mystery is now not only Jewish can, people, Israel can become Christians, but also pagans, non-Jewish people. Because God chose this man named Abraham to father a country that would become his people. Right in the Old Testament. 
But then due to the fall in their lives, it all got messed up. And now that opened the door for every nationality and every ethnic group to be able to come. But what do we get? Instead, we keep getting defaming of races and anti-Semitism. Are you guys catching on to some of the stuff that's going down right now because of Israel having a war? When the first thing that started on October 2nd, you know, were these crazy believers in a radical Islam. And they came and killed all these people that were at a concert. Even little kids. Horrible things. And, you know, Israel, they get serious when, it, when anti-Semitism gets really bad because it means they're all going to die. And there are a lot of people that want to say, you deserve to die. But Jesus came and said, I want to give you life. I want to forgive you of these problems. Not only did Adam and Eve have those problems, but they passed them down to us. And we get hateful. You know, and we get fearful. And we get all these things. But Jesus is the solution. That's what he's saying here. He was a mystery, but now he brought to light the mystery of the Godhead and the mystery of Jesus Christ himself because he is the one who can solve all the issues of our life. But we don't get it from human reasoning. It comes from a simple gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus. Do you know that the, the gospel is the power of God? for salvation to everyone who believes. What is gospel? It means good news. It's good news. Man, there's a lot of bad news. And there's a lot of people that take good news and make it bad. Anything to just get in the way and make people miserable. I know what that's like because I did that as a kid for my mom. I told her I hated her guts once. You know why? She made me go to church. What a little pig I was. What a little demon. I was really, I had my problems, kind of like Nick did. <laughs> now, Henry doesn't have any yet because he's our grandson. And don't tell me he's not the cutest boy in the world because he is. And then those two girls too. Anyway, what am I doing? All right. So, Jesus is that glorious mystery, and he brought to light all the mysteries of God. And one of the main reasons why Paul is writing, because they brought false teachings, and they brought false teachings in two areas. They denied the deity of Jesus Christ. And you know what the other falsehood was? They denied the humanity of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. And he still is. Now he was fully God before he became fully man because there had to be a savior. There had to be a redeemer. And that was Jesus. And so Isaiah prophesied, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and give birth supernaturally and, and miraculously to a virgin. 
and his name will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel means with us, and El is God in Hebrew. With us is God. God has always wanted to be close. Even to Adam and Eve in the garden, he had to call out, where are you, where are you? You know, because when you, you give in to lies and darkness and sin, it only makes more problem and pushes God away, pushes the Lord away. You know, all of my children and all of my brothers in my mom's family, we all had problems. I'm not going to reveal everyone's problems. But I do want to tell you an incredible story of grace, and that is my daughter. She was a high-level basketball player, All-American, played for Oregon. Ugh. Anyway, then transferred to SPU. Hallelujah. Anyway, they went to the national championship twice, came in second one year and third the, the next. But no, I, it was the other way around. But anyway, in that atmosphere, most of the girls that played on the teams were lesbian because high-level sports doesn't mind crossing over the boundaries that God has set. You know, one of the coolest things in the world is to have a friendship with the same sex. That's one of the greatest things that you can have a friend. They're not even necessarily related, but they're friends and you can be their friends and they're like a brother or like a sister. But when you cross a line that the Lord says, that's the boundary, you're going to ruin the relationship if you do this in terms of what God wants to do. Now, people, you can say, Wayne, God loves all people. I totally agree with that. But we all need to understand that because of sin, we need forgiveness. And who decides what's wrong and what's right? God. And so I don't mind. I have to sometimes say stuff. And I will say it. Come to Jesus. Let him show you why his word is true and why it's good. And so she was involved for several years in this type of a lifestyle. But yet she still wanted to meet up with me because we loved each other so much. We were almost like best friends, even though she was my daughter. You know, and she was just such a sweet gal. And she'd want to tell me the difficulties and the hardship that she was going through. And I felt like the Lord told me, don't preach at her. Don't, you know, try to force her to, you know, do this or that. But just, just keep telling her you love her. And then, you know, whatever I put in your heart. And the only thing he put on my heart to do was just to tell Amy, to tell her that God has better things. He has better things. And she, by the end of our conversation, not because of me, but by the end, and we, we did this for several years. We'd meet two or three times a week and, and have lunch or whatever. Every time she'd be crying and she'd, she, I, she'd say, I know it's wrong, but, you know, finally she began to realize because she met Jesus when she was four or five years old. She had experiences with God when she was little. That's why with your children, help them come to know Jesus even when they're little. 
And, you know, she came to me one day and she says, Dad, things are changing. And I said, yeah. And she said, yeah, I found out this. The more that I go towards that lifestyle, the more I push Jesus out of my life. And I go, hon, I just started crying. And she started going towards Jesus 100%. And the Lord's blessed her with a family, three beautiful children, incredible life. Now, people can say, no, I define what's right and what's wrong in my life. Okay. You got a conscience. It is flawed. But you might not even be wanting to follow it. And maybe you need to find out why God is saying what he's saying. Because his ways are best. Okay? And that's what happened. And the Lord just, he changes lives. He comes into people's lives. You know, George Frederick Hondell, he's an amazing, almost as good as that singer we had earlier. Woo, thank you so much. That was sweet. I don't know if he could sing, but he could sure write songs. He wrote Hondell's Messiah, right? Incredible. And his dad had said, I want you to be a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I don't want you to do that. I want you to be a lawyer. His mom was a pastor's daughter. She said, I want you to be a pastor. <laughs> but Hondell said, but I want to be a musician. And so you know what his dad did? Burned up all the instruments of music in, in their house. And so he went around to his friends and he got all these instruments and he, on his own, just with his friends, learned to play all those instruments. And he became a genius in music. And then he moved to England and he started writing symphonies and all this different stuff. And then he wrote a song that they asked him to write as a charity. And he started writing this song and it was called Messiah. Handel's Messiah. But he was a very sickly um, young man also. And, and things were happening and his enemies whom he couldn't pay his bills because he couldn't earn money when he was sick and so they wanted to apprehend him and throw him in jail and he said give me an opportunity just and you know the lord touched him and helped him anyway in 24 days he wrote hondel's messiah in 24 days and he ended it with the hallelujah chorus one of his friends came to watch him because he never left his house when he was writing Hondell's Messiah and they watched they came in and watched him and they saw him sobbing he was just, <laughs> just crying his head off and he goes what's wrong what's wrong what's wrong my friend he goes nothing's wrong I'm so happy I can't stand it he said I think I've seen heaven I think I've seen him and I'm so filled with joy because Jesus does that. Jesus changes a person's life, gives them a new life, just as he loves you and wants to give you and I a new life. During those three and a half weeks, he experienced such glory. And then people wanted to hear this song, so he 30 times was presenting the song over there in England. One of the time the king of England was there, 
many very famous people came. Um, John Wesley came and heard him directing Hondel's Messiah. Amazing. John Wesley, he impacted him as well. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, he changes lives. Now, Paul was worried about the Colossians and the Laodiceans. He had heard what was going on there, and he didn't want them to be deceived. And so there was this one man named Epaphras. In fact, there were several guys. One was Epaphras. Another was Epaphroditus. It's basically the same thing. It means worshiper of Aphrodite. And you can imagine what that was about. And sure enough, it was. So they were saying, no, that's good. It's okay. You can do this. But Paul came in and said, no. The enemy wants to steal it away. Just like they're doing for the Laodiceans. Because Paul evidently knew that that last letter from Jesus was to the church of Laodicea. And he said, I have this against you. This was the church. I have this against you. You are lukewarm and you're not red hot. You're not fired up inside with my presence, my Holy Spirit. And you need that. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Do you know he's still knocking at our doors? Even if you're a Christian, he's still knocking at your door. He's saying, hey, are you on the fringe here? Are you outside? Are you like flirting over here with this and that? Now we all are tempted to do that. Thankfully, he shed his blood to wash away every sin because if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and give us the gift of righteousness just by his grace. He talks here about God's riches. The riches, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And it's the knowledge of God. Knowing God. All the treasures. It comes from Jesus. He gives them to us as a gift. It's such a treasure that he wants you to have and to experience. He wants you to know him in a deep way so that you can stick close to him, so that you can be on fire with him with him he says here that he has this intense conflict for their well-being and that word conflict is agon in greek and it, we get the word agony or agonize you know sometimes following the lord is agony because you see people being hurt and it's a pain you know right now there's a lot of wars going on in the Middle East, it's like a powder keg. Did you know that the prophets spoke about Jesus especially? He said, when you see certain things come to pass, he said, for example, wars and rumors of war and terrorism is the word used. Wars and commotions, some versions say, but it's terrorism. It's going on. Even from religious people. I'm not putting down people for their beliefs or whatever. Each of us can choose. But certain ones, not most of Islam, but part of Islam, 
that Iran gives is very, very fierce and can be deadly for people. And that's what happened. And it's gotten stirred up. But at the same time, there are those in the Arab world and the Muslim world that want peace, right? And so the Jewish leaders together with the United States and, and, and with these Arab nations, they've gotten together and they've created the Abraham Accords, which are tremendous. It would be tremendous if it could produce a peace. And even now, Saudi Arabia, for the first time, is, is actually open to it. You know, the Bible says that would happen. They would seek peace. And actually, the leader of the world during the Great Tribulation, namely the false Christ, he would affirm and confirm. Read it, Daniel 9, 27. He would confirm this covenant of peace. So all these things that the Bible says would happen, Jesus said, when you see those, you're tempted to become sad and grieved and fearful and anxious and worried. I want you instead to look up. Because your redemption draws nigh. So it does two things for you when you realize Jesus could be coming soon. Now, one thing don't do. Don't say what day or hour. Don't even say what year. I had a pastor, a wonderful pastor, amazing. He said, I can't see anything going beyond 1975. <laughs> well, later, people go, I don't want to listen to that guy because, you know, he, he, he's a false predictor. He wasn't, but he was just saying, I can't see it, you know. But anyway, one thing we can say for sure with all these things, especially signaling we can say it's nearer than it's ever been it's nearer than it's ever been will it be in months or a year when he comes listen let's focus on what it is when he comes he's coming for every truster and believer in him in jesus christ and he's going to say well done good and faithful servant just like paul is seeking to serve the colossians and the um, Laodicean believers, come, come in. He's telling them, he's coming. He's going to take you into heaven. The Bible says that when these things are happening, remember this, your redemption draws nigh and the dead in Christ will rise first. And do you know that when someone has died, the Lord is preparing a new body in heaven for them? There's going to be bodies, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, that are going to suit heaven, just like these bodies fit for earth. But another thing that they do for earth is they cause us to sin a lot. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit to curb and to change our lives. Christ in us, the hope of glory. How do I become like Jesus Christ? We lost something very, very dear when our forefathers sinned. And you know what that dear treasure was? It was the Imago Dei. What's the Imago Dei? It's the image of Dei, God. The image of God was lost. Not completely lost, because there's, there's good, and there are amazing aspects of creation, but the fallenness of the soul into darkness and evil so how does that change? 
Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope. I'm getting excited because the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, listen to this, we who are alive and remain will be caught up. That word in Latin is rapturos. It means we'll be raptured. Maybe you've heard about that. They're going to be caught up to be with the Lord, and then we will always be with the Lord in paradise to continue to love and serve him. A thousand years will be done on earth when Jesus sets up his thousand-year reign over the earth and shows how God meant it to be lived. And then there'll be the new heavens and the new earth. But this is what he promises us. And it's not a small thing. It's the most amazing thing. But you want to be one of his stewards and one of his servants because, let me see what time it is. Oh, I'm almost done. I think I have like five or seven minutes. I think, no, I think eight. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) think of Jesus. There's no one like him. Listen to this. 1,491 years ago, it's 532 A.D. on the new calendar that they're making, but the Roman year at the time was 1226, but there was a Romanian monk, you see, and he lived in Rome, and he was also an expert mathematician, an incredible Bible scholar. His name was, have you heard this guy, Dionysius Exiguus? You ever heard of him? He studied when Jesus came into the world. And he found out that it was, that Jesus was born in the Roman year 754. But he said, I'm going to make that the first year. (laughs) The first year of when the world came. And so he said, this happened. In 754, which in the Roman year, uh, 1286, minus 754 is 532 A.D. Do you know that all calendars were changed on 532 A.D.? And the ones before 532 A.D. were called B.C., before Christ. And after 532 became A.D., A.D., Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. Do you know anyone who can rewrite the the calendar like that and say this is when real life began? This is when the real thing that God wants to happen began. That's what it says in history, but the Bible is even better. That aspect of Jesus and the kingdom that he is building He wants to be king of your heart and of my heart. He wants every day in your relationships to be yielded to him. We can't produce the kind of glory that God wants to give us. Only God can give you that. So how do you receive it? You put your trust in him. You say, I'm going to find out what real wisdom is. I'm going to find out what God says is true. I want to find out not falsehoods. I want to find out truth. And I also want to find out love 
because truth without love doesn't fill the deepest need. And love without truth leads you astray. But the two together, the love, the truth. You know, in the beginning, John wrote this about our Savior. And he, as one of the gospel writers, wrote the, some of the fullest stuff about God and about Jesus and the Holy Spirit of any person. And it's God's word. It's inerrant. It's, there's no error in it. It is absolute, perfect truth, perfect righteousness, purity. I can't be pure in myself. But there's a person called the Holy Spirit. He comes in and he gives us a holiness. You know, the word holy is a word that means to be set apart as pure. And God can give you the power to make those kinds of choices. It takes growing power, but it takes a continual filling. You know, we weren't meant to be filled with the Spirit on one occasion, and then God doesn't give refills. Right? It says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you or overflows you, Acts 1.8. And then it says in Ephesians, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a constant filling of God's Spirit, and he wants to give us that. Now, when he does that, he changes your life. And this is my last illustration. But you know the pastor there that, he, that Paul speaks about, Epaphras? It's, it's a shortened word to Epaphras from Epaphroditus. And like I was saying, it means the worshiper of Aphrodite or of Diana or the, basically the female sex goddess. And they had a lot of worshipers back then, I want you to know. And they have a lot of worshipers now. But there's only one way to be free. When that happens, Jesus Christ will change your life. And this guy, whose name was Epaphroditus, now his name is Worshipper of Jesus. But he didn't change his name. God just changed him. And so everyone realized this guy's a pastor of a group of people that loves God. Yes, God saves the foulest people, including Wayne. He changes people's lives because he loves you so deeply and so richly. Christ in you is your hope, my hope of glory. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. I thank you so much. I thank you that you gave up everything. You even endured not just affliction like Paul did and like some of us do sometimes, and not just pain and agony, but you gave your life. You were cruelly, brutally crucified, and your heart was broken and outpoured blood and water. You had prayed, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then you said, no, I realize. I realize even as a man, I don't want to die, but I want to die to save 
these disciples. I want to die to save these gals who've been following me. I want to give my life because I want to obey the Father. Hebrews 5, 7 says that even Jesus as a man learned obedience through the things he suffered because he'd never had to obey before. But he chose God's will. And he wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants you to have a deep, rich relationship. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed right now, if you're here and you would say, I don't have that kind of a rich, knowledgeable, but mysterious and wonderful relationship, but I want that, and I want it to be a growing relationship, would you pay, pray for me? I want to know the riches and the treasures of the one who loves me the most. While our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, if you'd say, I need that, would you raise your hand? Just say, pray with me, sir. You want that? Just say, yes, I need that. Acknowledge that from the Lord, okay? If you need that, if you need more of Jesus, you want him to take over more areas of your life, you want him today, this day, to overflow you with his spirit like a river of living water. If that's what you want, would you raise your hand and say, God, I want that. I want that overflowing, that empowering, that life-changing presence. God sees your hand. He sees your heart. All of you who've raised your hand, will you all stand? If you'd like to stand with us, just all stand. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's lift our hands to him right now. I'll lead us in prayer. If you'd like to pray this prayer with me, just quietly right where you're standing, reaching up to the Lord, say, Jesus, I need you. I want more of you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for me. And Jesus, I turn from my lukewarm ways. And Jesus, I want you to burn that fire of love towards you in my heart. Lord Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Empower me. Help me to follow you and be a treasure that people can see that you love to give. Even now. Let's sing this song, and as we sing this song, just say, Lord, fill me right now. Go ahead and lead us in this song. Let's just ask him to fill us right now. Just reach up to him. Let's sing it, okay? <laughs>